Hi, and welcome to the Rabin New Testament Church podcast. You are about to hear a powerful message. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by this message today. Hello, when you're ready, brother. Well, uh, I'd like to say this morning, it's good to be back in the house of God this morning. Praise God. I just look forward to coming to the house of God. Ain't but just a few of us here, but we still going to have church. Amen. Uh, don't take a whole church full for God to move in the midst. He said, just two or three of us in uh, uh, gathered together in his name, I'll be in the midst. We got that promise from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His brother Tony preached uh, about promises the other day, and that's one promise that we can count on, Brother Rick. This is his house. We're his people, so he is going to be in the midst of us. And we got a lot of prayer requests that we're going to be taking after a while and praying for uh, in this service. A lot of folks sick today, uh, amen, but we do uh, uh, know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we serve a great healer. Amen. And uh, I believe God's going to intervene because I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it to happen today. Praise God. If you come expecting, believing, you can have today what your need is today. Praise God. Brother Audie's not going to be with us today. Colin said he had uh, uh, some sickness in his body. Brother Kevin's going to be teaching for us. But right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for this service we're fixing to have, God. Lord, we bind the hindered spirits, Lord, that tries to hinder this service. In the name of Jesus, we bind them, Lord. We come to have church. We come expecting this morning to have church. Uh, we come expecting to touch heaven this morning, Lord. We come expecting to get what we need from God this morning. God, we love you this morning. We praise you this morning, God. Pray, God, that you anoint the man of God as he brings forth the word and teaching this morning, God. Use him in a mighty way, God. Pray for those that cannot be here this morning. Pray for those that could be here this morning. Uh, God, we pray for our church, God, and we pray this morning, God, uh, for your presence to be in the midst of us this morning. God, we love you, and God, we praise you, God. Amen to God. In Jesus' name, we pray it all. Amen and amen. Praise God. Brother Kevin, would you come? Thank you, Brother Bubba, for that uh, that prayer this morning. Can't can't get too much prayer in these last uh, these last days. You know, I've heard it all my life, and I know you've heard it all your life. But I can't stress to you this morning enough that we are living. We are truly living in the last days. I've been told that from um, a little bit hot, I think. We've been told that from my grandmothers, our parents, and all those that have had had a sincere walk with the Lord that the, that the day of the Lord is coming. Church, I can't stress to you enough. You can read the sign of the times. You can look at God's word. You can read God's Word. We're going to read God's Word this morning. Been prophesied for thousands of years. The, the same things that are going on 
in today's world. You know, people act like it, they're being caught by, by surprise. If you're a child of God, the things that are happening today are no surprise. They're confirmation of the Word of God is what they are. Today's lesson, entitled, The Day of the Lord, uh, comes from Scripture text, the book of Joel, second chapter, and the third chapter of the book of Joel. The book of Joel, uh, Joel himself was, he is and was considered as a, uh, a minor prophet. You know, some, some of your more well-known uh, people had a lot more writings and had a lot more uh, uh, prophecy, what you, what you would say. But I tell you, after reading through the book of Joel, and you say reading through it, yeah, I'm saying the book of Joel only has 73 lines, 73 sentences in the book of Joel. But I'll tell you, if you read that book, and I told my wife this morning, I said, it could not be a more fitting message for what we're going through today. It is an absolute confirmation from God. You may call it coincidence, but I call it prophecy. I call it confirmation from God. It's what I call it. The theme of today's message is Joel prophesied to Judah concerning the judgment of God, which had already begun, as well as the judgment yet to come at the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is mentioned and should be considered whenever Christ returns to the earth. You know, whenever Christ left the earth, he promised that he would come again, that he would come back and he would receive us unto himself, and that we should dwell with him in the kingdom of heaven forever and ever, those that love him. But you know, today's lesson is not only about <clears throat> that promise. Today's lesson is a warning. Today's lesson is a reminder of what, what is the outcome for you got two choices. You serve the Lord or you serve the God of this world. That's the only two real choices we have today. You know, people, people divide politics into Republican Democrats, but, you know, that don't even matter. That don't even matter today. It, do, it doesn't even matter. I think it should be divided into something more spiritual. I think it should be divided into serving Christ, serving the God of this world. Isn't that what's important now? Regardless whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, if you don't have the blood applied to your life, then there's one thing for sure. In hell, you'll lift your eyes. And that's what today's all about. That, that, that today's lesson is about Joel's warning. Joel, not much was said about him. Uh, you know, his, his writing was somewhere in the southern kingdom of the land of Judah, probably around 796 B.C. It's, it's kind of argued when, when the time frame was. But, but Joel warned of the day of the Lord. And today... We, we continue this warning, 
He warned of the second coming of the Lord. And I will say that this is the last opportunity. We're living in the last opportunity. Not only is it the day of the Lord, we're living in the last day of opportunity. We're living in the last day that people have in order to turn their hearts and lives over to the Lord. I cannot stress to you enough. I cannot stress to you. If you're joining uh, YouTube or whatever and you're considering getting saved, our pastor says this on many occasions. If you're considering say, getting saved, it's not that time. Today is the day that you should get saved because tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow may, may just be, be something that we're hoping for. The Lord could come and the next fraction of a second it can that's just how close we are that's just how real this lesson is today that's just how real this warning is today it can happen at any second the message of joel was to forewarn everyone of god's pending judgment and to turn from sin how do you turn from sin how do you turn from sin you must repent you must repent. And with repentance, there's hope. There's hope. If you have not repented, and if you have not applied the blood of Jesus to your sins and got them covered under the blood, you have no hope. You have no hope. I don't want today's message to be that of doom and gloom. Truly, it is doom and gloom. This lesson had three parts. Like I said, it is, a, it is a warning, it is a list of promises, and it is a reminder of the reward that you will receive for serving the Lord. Three parts to it. Three, three things that should be taken away from today's message. Our golden text says, And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. We're gonna go ahead and read. Uh, we'll go ahead and read the scripture setting today. Uh, like I said, there's only seven, 73 lines in the book of Joel. I, I challenge you today, at some point, to 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 read the entire book of Joel. Read the entire because we're we're only touching on some of the high points today in today's lesson. But I challenge you to read the entire book. We're gonna begin in uh, chapter two, the book of Joel, verse 28. It says. God's word says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. I ask you today, have you heard this before? There's another, there's another prophet or disciple of the Lord that, that mentioned this. If you'll recall on the day of Pentecost, some of this verbiage was mentioned, and, and throughout the book of Joel, there's at least two or three or maybe even four times whenever this prophecy was, it was confirmed, reaffirmed, I should say. And you know, true prophecy, that's how you can tell real prophecy is, say for instance, if, if the Lord has a word for this church, it may come by the speaking of tongues. It may come by just a vision that one of us people have. There's always a confirmation. 
There's always a confirmation. His word was confirmed by some of the, the more well-known prophets as well. Verse 29 says, And also upon the servants, and, and this is also the golden text, upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Verse 30 says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. I ask you today, is that day when the Lord's coming, is that going to be a terrible day for you? If you can say, Brother Kevin, that's going to be, sounds like a, a totally desolate day. The sky is going to be darkened. The moon will turn to blood. Sounds doomy and gloomy, don't it? Unless you're a child of God. <coughs> if you're a child of God, that's the day we've been living for. That's, that's what we've been fighting for, is the day for the come. Whenever he promised us to come back to get us, that's the day we've been longing for. 32 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. You know, people... Some churches, some pastors, I'm not going to throw any rocks, throw any stones. They try to make salvation something so very hard to get. If you don't look like I do, if you don't walk like I do, if you don't have the same things in your house that I do and you don't abstain from the same things that I do, then you're not saved. What does the word say here? It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. No. It says, shall be saved. It ain't hard. It's not hard. It's not hard to get your sins covered under the blood. It's not hard to repent of the things that you've done. I've done things that if revealed unto everybody, you would say, well, I, you know, it really shocks shocks me. How, how could you do that? What has God... But if you're a child of God and you could, say, you could take these same things and you could say, well, Lord, the Lord has brought you a long way, Brother Kevin. The Lord has really done a work in your life. And truly, I tell you today, He has. He has done a work in my life. He's continued to do a work in my life. And I know He's doing a work in your life as well. All these, all these, uh, this sin, and unless you get it covered under the blood, you will fear this day. It will, it will truly be a day of, of terrible. It will be a terrible day for you. Uh, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1 says, For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, verse 2, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the city of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my her heritage Israel whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. This valley that they're talking about, <clears throat> does that sound familiar? You read about that, that same valley, that same happening, you can read about in the book of Revelation. That 
is the Battle of Armageddon. That's what that is. Called several different things. But I remind you that in that battle, there is no battle. That is a day of recompense, in my opinion. That is the day that the Lord has promised you that you'll be rewarded of all your service to him, for all your troubles, for all the sickness, for all the pain, for all the suffering, for the tears that you shed during this time, during your life as service to the Lord. This day is your day. Verse 12 says, Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Truly that day, truly that day, every knee shall bow. You know, we live in a world, some say, is the most powerful nation in the world. United States is. Truly it is. But I tell you today, whether you're American, whether you're Japanese, whether you're Chinese, or wherever you are, if the blood's not applied to your life, you're not, you're not living in the nation, you're not living in the, the group of, that will prevail on this day, this last day. There's not going to be any division. There's not going to be any state lines. There's not going to be any oceans dividing God's people. There'll be one group. Be one group of people. One group of people that chose to believe in God, chose to serve God, and chose to stand with Him. Verse 13 says, Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The valley of decision. You know, this lesson today mentions that when the Lord comes, that he'll gather all those people in that valley of decision. Church, you're in that valley right now. You're walking through the valley of decision right now. You have to decide whom this day you're going to serve. If you're on YouTube, you have to choose this day whom you're going to serve. Your valley of decision is that close. It's that close. I challenge to say that if you have not already made that decision, that when the day of the Lord does come, whenever all these nations are gathered in the valley of decision, I challenge you to say that there will be no hope for you. If you can't serve the Lord now, whenever the Holy Spirit is poured out freely upon us all, he says, I ascended to heaven, but I will send you a comforter. He did. Who was that comforter? It's the Holy Ghost, right? 
that comforter is walking to and fro in this church this morning. That comforter is being cast out through YouTube and throughout the, the waves of the air. There's coming a day whenever that will be withdrawn from all men. There's coming a day whenever it's not going to be so easy to make that decision for the Lord in that valley of decision. You know, not, not much is known about the prophet named Joel after simply stating his name. You know, he just said he was Joel. Named as, as, as he was the son of Pethuel. You know, his prophecy is debated about some, you know, around the time of, uh, of a young ruler there uh, in, in, in the area right there, Joash. Said Joash was seven years old whenever he was promoted to the throne there. Can you imagine that? Seven years old. You know, the word also says he had a lot to learn. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, today's objective is to study the occasion of Joel's prophecy and the message that Joel proclaimed to discuss its message for us today. Get a drink of water. Bubba, if you drink, you're going to get some. I got this old dry cough this morning. The messages of the minor prophets, Joel is what I'm talking about, are often neglected because they seem difficult to understand and especially difficult to apply to present-day living. If you read today's lesson, to me it very clearly aligns with what's going on in today's society. Today we will look at the message that Joel proclaimed, remembering that it came to him as the word of the Lord. And it was not just something he conceived and composed on his own. When teaching this lesson, we will try to make sure that we understand at least four different things. I'll tell you. Thank you, brother. I'll tell you. There's, there's four things you can hang your hat on. If you serve the Lord, you're going to suffer. If you don't serve the Lord, you're going to suffer. We should understand that we're going through hard times. But you got to also understand the, thing, the trials that you're going through today. It could, be, it could be a form of discipline. It could be a form of soul-checking. You say, well, Brother Kevin, God don't work that way. God don't, God don't uh, put you through something. He's a, he's a God of love. He is a God of, of giving. He is a God of compassion. Truly, yes, he is. But I remind you of the story of, of Job. And Job was a perfect and upright man, is what the Word of God says. I challenge you today, are you any better than Job? Do you think for one minute that God won't discipline us? Do you think for one minute that God won't send you a trial by fire? I think Bubba's last message, message the other night was a trial by fire, right, Bubba? Only the purest of gold 
How do they purify it? Purify it with fire, don't they? They separate out the impurities. God separates his people's impurities by the same way. He'll try you with fire. What did he tell Satan? Have you considered my servant Job? Today's not about Job's trial. Today's about your trial. Today's about your purification. Where are you going to stand in the valley of decision? With every trial of hardship, there's a blessing. Yes, that's true. Brother Kevin, I'm still waiting on my blessing. I've gone through cancer. I've gone through other things, and I'm still waiting on my blessing, Brother Kevin. I say today, wake up. Wake up. If you'll look spirit with spiritual eyes and not carnal eyes, you'll see your blessings already taking place. I remind you, if you say, well, Brother Kevin, I've gone through cancer, I've gone through this, gone through that, and I'm waiting on my blessing. The key there is God has taken you through whatever you went through. That's your blessing. He was with you. He helped you. He delivered you. That's the blessing. That's one of the points we want to bring out today. The fourth point, there really will be a battle of Armageddon at the end of the seven-year tribulation in the Valley of Decision. It ain't science fiction. It's not a lie. Joel gives definite detail, details concerning this battle. and His statements agree completely with information given by some of those major prophets, Zechariah and John in the book of Revelation. If that ain't confirmation, I'm talking about people that live thousands of years apart from one another, telling you the same thing that's going to happen in the last day. Is that coincidence? I think not. Joel begins his urgent message by appealing to the old men of Judah. He asked them if they can ever remember a time when Judah was so desolate. He wonders at the, he wonders at the complete devastation wrought by the plagues that have come upon them. I ask you today, <coughs> can you remember a time? Has there ever been a time Whenever you, you as a child of God have not faced some, some kind of dilemma. Has there ever been a time, men of old, men of new, women, has there ever been a time whenever you have not heard the Lord's coming soon? I want to stress to you today that, that that's not just been stuff to tickle your ears. That's been warning. That's been absolute warnings. And if you'll consider just how fast your life has been, I remember hearing this whenever in a Sunday school lesson whenever I was a young boy. Here I am, finished turn 50. It's gone before me just, just, just that quick. The Lord is coming. He is coming back for his people. He promised us he would, and he is going to do it. He wonders at the complete devastation wrought by the plagues that have come upon them. He describes how they suffered first with palmer worms. Most reference books 
Consider palmer worms the larva stage of locusts. You see, this plague that he mentioned, it wasn't fiction. It was true. It happened. The plague happened. Most reference to books of palmer worms, you know, as a state, the larva stage of locusts, where they, like caterpillars, cut tender shoots and destroy plants. Joel then states that what was left by the palmer worms were eaten by locusts. What little was left by the locusts was attacked by canker worms, which, again, most reference books consider yet another stage of locusts. Finally, caterpillars ravaged the land and finished off whatever had been left by the previous pests. This is a, it's a symbolism is what this is. All sin, here it's talking about plants, it's talking about crops, but I want you to think carnally. I want you to open up your carnal eyes. Sin will be removed from the world in the same fashion. All sin is going to be wiped away in a similar fashion. Not one sin will be left. People say, well, it's a little white lie. It's a little sin. You know, there ain't no little sin, ain't no big sin. God hates all sin. Uh, Unger's Bible quotes the following description of locusts. Vast bodies of locusts called, called by Orientals the army of God lay waste the country. They march as an army. At evening, they descend and form their camps. And in the morning, they ascend again. If they find no food and fly in the direction of the wind, they go in immense numbers and occupy a space of 10 or 12 miles in length and four or five in breadth and are so deep that the sun cannot penetrate through bringing a temporary darkness upon the earth. Nothing stops them. They fill the ditches dug to stop them with their bodies and extinguish fires that kindle to destroy them. They pass over walls and enter doors and windows of houses. They devour everything, green, strip of trees, of their bark, and even break them down with their weight. Does that sound, does that sound familiar? <clears throat> I just told you in that last day, every knee shall bow. There's not one thing on this earth that it's going to escape the wrath of God. There's not one thing on this earth that, that won't fall under his judgment. There's not one person. President of the United States, the rulers of Russia, each and every great person that you can think about every day in this time, in this day, is going to bow before the Lord. I ask you today, where do you stand with the Lord? It is hard to imagine the total destruction of a plant life that took place in this awful plague. Joel describes the locusts as being a nation strong and without number. He says their teeth were like the teeth of a lion. I remember you. I remind you. We serve the line of Judah, right? We serve a line. We serve whenever he comes back. It's going to be an angry God. He's going to wipe out sin. He's going to wipe out those ones that have persecuted his people. 
He's going to wipe out those people that have put you down, that have made your life hard. He's going to wipe out every way, everything that, every bad thing that's happened to us, he's coming back to destroy it as the line of Judah. He describes how the vines, fig trees, corn, olive leaves, wheat, barley, pomegranate trees, palm trees, and apple trees have all been destroyed. You'll understand more about that if you read the entire book of Joel right there. Nothing will be spared from God's judgment, like I said. Even those in the power, powerful positions, they're going to bow before the Lord. It's clear from Joel's message that his main concern is not one of material loss or monetary loss, but one of spiritual loss. That's why I said we got to open up our spiritual eyes. This word was given to us not just for material things, not just for the things you can touch and feel. I'm talking from a spiritual sense. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about those things that, that they that the word reminds you of that you battle against from day to day, principalities. I'm talking about things from a spiritual sense. I'm talking about things that was, was eternally separate you from the love of God. Those things are what we're talking about today. The plague has been so severe and the devastation so great that they no longer have the means to offer, to, to offer their offerings to the Lord in the temple. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord, the priest, the Lord ministers, the Lord's ministers mourn. In verses 13 through 16, Joel specifically laments the fact that the people are no longer able to bring the proper offerings to the house of the Lord, and therefore joy and gladness have also been cut off from the house of God. Joel calls for the husbandmen to howl because of the plague. He calls for the priests and the ministers to of the altar to howl and to lie all night in sackcloth. He calls for a fast and a solemn assembly. He calls for Judah to cry unto the Lord. In verse 15, Joel is overwhelmed by the calamity and cries out. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. You know, this is evident today. The day of the Lord is at hand. The very things that allow people to sin, you know, stuff like stuff like uh, barley and wheat, you know, and I'm not knocking on people, not knocking on uh, uh, alcohol or whatever, but but I am. The very things that are allowing people to sin, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be wiped away. They're holding on to something. That's why I can't stress to you that it's so, it's, it's so temporary in the fact that when the Lord comes, He's destroying everything. Everything that, that contributes to sin, everything that has any connection to sin, He's destroying it. He's wiping it off the face of the earth. You know, this call truly can be, be proclaimed right now. This call, this, the day of the Lord is at hand. It is very imminent right now. It's an imminent description of where we stand right now. Joel believes and declares that the calamity that has befallen Judah is the judgment of God, which it was. No doubt he realizes that such complete desolation could not be simply a fluke of nature. 
I ask you today what we're going through right now in this world. COVID, people say, well, it's just a virus or whatever. It's a plague. It's a plague. It's a trial. It's a test. It's a trial by fire. Yeah, well, Brother Kevin, this thing was created by man. Man's own hand created this virus. You can't say that God brought this on the world. You can't tell me that God couldn't stop it either. The very time that it struck the world, God could have said, nope, this ain't happening. Don't think for one minute that God doesn't have that power. Don't think for one minute that God can't speak it and say, COVID be cast into the sea. There's reasons for our suffering, church. There's reasons for the things that we go through. It's not fun. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of loss. But God's people will prevail. God's people will prevail. They do have a promise. They do have a promise. And that promise, that promise today is presence with the with the line of Judah that I talked about. Just to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Clearly the nation is in a state of confusion. They're suffering terribly in their physical life. The plague has resulted in the loss of fruit trees, grain crops, vineyards, olive oil, and other things. Even the livestock suffer because, guess what? They don't have anything to eat. They don't have any, any grass to eat. Why? Because the locusts ate it, right? The rivers are drying up. Their farming has been destroyed, and they have no food. They have no livelihood. They have no income, no security. In addition to their physical suffering, they are also suffering spiritually. They are not bringing offers to the Lord. Worship has been hindered and restricted. Hmm. Their worship has been hindered and restricted. I ask you again, is this just coincidence? What has COVID done to the, the entire world? I'll tell you one important thing it has done. Look at, look, look at our pews today. Look at the number we have here today. I can count on, almost count on these two hands, the number of people that we have here today. What has this plague done? Well, it's made people scared about coming to church. And, 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 I'm not, and I'm not knocking that. I know we have to be careful. We have to be careful and not get sick. But I ask you, how has it affected your worship? Do you have to be in this house in order to continue your worship with God? No. But the word also says, do not fail to assemble yourselves together. We draw strength off of one another, church. This plague, this pandemic that we're presently facing, it has affected our worship. You think it's by coincidence? No. It's just another one of these trials. Why do you think the Lord has allowed COVID to extend? I got an idea. 
He's going to see where you stand, church. He's seeing where we stand. If we give up, if we lay down the Lord during this trying time, if we turn back to the dark side, then we failed our test, didn't we? We failed our trial. We missed our calling. Does this sound like where we are now? We were shut down across the whole world. The numbers, even in our church, were decreased due to this pandemic. You think this is just coincidence? I think not. Just like I said, this is a trial of God to see who will hold on. If this small trial, and I don't say that with, I say that this, you know, this is a small trial. Because truly, some have given all to this pandemic that we're facing. I'm not being disrespectful here. I'm just saying that if we can't stand through, through a trial, if we so easily give up God during our trials, if we don't hold on to God, then we have failed our trial. I ask you today, has this place strengthened your, ser- your service to the Lord? Or has it hindered you? If we were honest today, some can say, well, Kevin, I'm closer now. Brother Kevin, I'm closer now than I've ever been to the Lord. And I say, thank you, Jesus, for that. But if the others are honest, they can say, well, Brother Kevin, you know, I hadn't been able to, to, to pray like I should. You know, this COVID stuff has gotten so deep into my mind or gotten so deep, this, this pandemic has gotten so deep into my mind that, 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 you know, I don't find time to pray as much as I used to. You know, I've said this on several occasions in, in several of our services that I was hoping that during COVID there would be a, such a, a great coming back to the church that be like you never have seen before. I was hoping that we had such, we had something so good to look forward to with this disease, but I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know. You know, I don't know if it will ever be even like it was before, you know. But I know this. If you hold on to the Lord and if you believe in, in our Lord, you're suffering the losses that, you've, that, that, that have affected you through COVID and through these other trials that we've been through. It, it ain't just COVID. It's other things. It's AIDS. It's Ebola. We've been through several plagues. The flu. Polio, smallpox, they're plagues. They're stuff that affects the Lord. They're stuff that affects God's people. They're trials. Suffering is not new to us. Suffering will continue. There's one thing, like I said, that you can guarantee. You're going to suffer if you serve the Lord. He said you'll be crucified for my name's sake. That's what the Word says. We're not going to be able to finish this. Sometimes I ramble at the front end. But like I said, the book of Joel is a, is a short book. I want to, I do want to not fail to bring you to the end of, of what Joel's message was. Joel's message was his promise, God's promise, 
God promises destruction for Israel's enemies, but deliverance for Israel. Joel says that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and the fountains shall come forth of the house of the Lord. God promises that Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. My, what victory belongs to the people of God. We win, church. That's what I want you to walk away from here today. That's what I want you to walk away from here today. All of this plague, all of this suffering, all of this affliction, all of this material loss, good things come out of trials. Good things come out of, come out of tests from the Lord. I remind you of Job. Was Job restored? He was, wasn't he? Abundantly restored. Your, your cries, your, your trials, your losses, they will be repaid. You will be built back up. We got to hold on, church. We got to hold on these last days. Your suffering, you're going to be repaid back in full. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just like his message, Joel's message lines up with, with, with the book of Revelation. I want to leave, leave you with this. Book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I want you, I want you to listen to this, church. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 and 4. Some of you probably know it off the top of your head. And if you don't, I wish that you would. Chapter 21, verse 3 and 4. Find it right here. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. This is your promise, church. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with him and be with their God. And here's the part that I like. Here's the part that gives me, that gives me chills from head to toe. This is why we suffer today. This is your reward. Verse 4. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crime, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's why we suffer. That's what Joel's warning is about. We got to hold on, church. Thank you all for coming today. I, I challenge you to, to read the rest of, of, of the lesson today. It was a great word. It gave me great hope this morning. It, it, it confirmed that why we why we're suffering now, you know, we were destined to suffer. It began in the garden, right? Our suffering began then, you know. We're going to suffer until He comes back to get us. But each and every time you go through a trial, flip through the what I just read you, Revelation twenty one three and four. That gives me so much strength right there. That right there just builds me back up, and I hope it does you as well. Shake hands and fellowship. We'll continue with the second part of the service momentarily. Thank you all for coming.
Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to share comments, prayer requests, or praise reports. Check back soon for additional episodes.